Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Chopra. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of our healthcare industry. And that could not hold more true than the times we're in right now. Our goal in this series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry's top experts and thought leaders. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and questions that are top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Moreno, Managing Partner at Lumina and an Industry Thought Leader for Value-Based Care. Dan, welcome. Hi, Shelley. Happy to be here. Wonderful. Dan, we've spent last several episodes talking about healthcare organizations navigating the landscape changes brought forth by COVID-19. Key focus for healthcare leaders remain maintaining financial sustainability and recovery of revenue loss. One of the consistent changes we saw at the onset of COVID was drop in hospital revenue due to scale back and eventual or partial ramp up of elective surgery. Most hospitals saw elective surgical volume decrease upwards of about 80%, thus impacting their overall revenue and margin. And though volumes are ramping back up, they are still trailing the pre-COVID levels for the most part. What are you seeing, Dan, in terms of trends of perioperative financial performance and how hospitals are maximizing perioperative services to recover the lost revenue? Well, a couple things, Shelley. As I'm talking to CFOs around the country, they're still struggling with how to recoup a lot of that lost revenue. There was a pretty big financial hit that many of the hospitals took as elective surgeries decreased, and obviously it it really impacted a lot of their revenues and their margins. We have seen across the country a lot of the volumes come back in July, and in particular, many of the hospitals actually not only met budget, but they've exceeded their budget in terms of the volume. So that's been a good thing. But what we've not seen totally come back is all of the revenue to get these hospitals back on budget. And in essence, what's, what's happening here is a lot of the projections for many of the hospitals is that they're gonna come in and with negative margins for this fiscal year. Um, and it may be the middle of 2021 before they really recover. So as we've talked about the last couple of months, the financial recovery plan that hospitals need to go through have to really focus on what they need to do to increase revenue as well as reduce or manage their costs all in the name of improving margins. So one of the things that you had mentioned today was you know, the impact of perioperative services. And I'm really excited to have Jeff Peters, CEO of Surgical Directions with us today to talk about that topic. Jeff is an industry expert in helping organizations around the country improve a lot of their financial and operational performance related to perioperative surgical performance. Um, has done a fantastic job in working with many organizations around the country. Welcome, Jeff. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Jeff, when you're working with organizations around the country, and as these organizations are starting to focus on increasing some of their revenues, managing some of their costs, clearly surgical services is a significant driver of a lot of that activity. What are some of the things that you're seeing as, as challenges Thanks, Dan. Well, I think it's important to start with the fact that 
surgical services in most hospitals and most health systems contributes about 65% of the overall margin. So for a hospital or a system to be successful, perioperative services need to be successful. So perioperative services are important. Within perioperative services, it's ambulatory surgery that drives the volume. Today in the United States, over 80% of all surgical procedures are done on an ambulatory basis. And the growth in ambulatory surgical volume is moving out of the hospital into freestanding ASCs. And that movement of ambulatory surgical volume from hospitals to ASCs accelerated during COVID because patients were uncomfortable about getting care in an environment where COVID patients were being treated and surgeons were uncomfortable. So in order to be successful, what a hospital or health system has to do is make sure that they're doing an incredible job of having a good experience for their ambulatory surgical patient and their surgeon. Most hospitals that are seeing a growth in the margin of their ambulatory surgical patients are getting patient engagement scores with Presgany in the 90 percentile or above. If your patient engagement is below 90%, you're probably gonna struggle to grow volume. And increasingly, it's not just the patient, but the surgeon still has a large say in where that patient gets their surgery. So we not only have to engage the patient, we've got to engage surgeons and physicians in driving our ambulatory surgery program. And this is the key question to ask. Can a surgeon do more cases in our ambulatory surgery or inpatient hospital surgical setting than they could do in any other facility they work in or they could work in? That's an interesting point that you bring up. I think from a couple of perspectives. One, as you mentioned, you're seeing the shift, particularly in COVID, from inpatient to the ambulatory arena. So that site of service is critical. That shift in site of service is really critical in terms of the revenue opportunities. And even beyond that, ensuring that we're getting the right level of reimbursement for the ambulatory service. But also, too, that the physician, the surgeon, is going to be set up and structured appropriately so they can handle the volume, right? So they can really create the right level of efficiencies to be able to maximize the volume, the potential, the financial potential opportunities, all of the margin activity that would actually occur with that shift to the ambulatory setting. That, that's correct. And the physician is your um, customer, the patient is your product, 
and making sure that patient has a good experience from the moment of scheduling to optimizing their pre-existing conditions prior to coming into the center, making sure they have a wonderful experience. But the key is not just having them have a good experience and a caring experience when they're at your facility, but making sure they're doing well during recovery and rehab. So that patient engagement, and there's lots of patient engagement tools, are really key to making that patient experience um, successful. But you've also got to make the physician experience successful. Both of those combined are what's really going to be that's going to be key. You know, as I was talking to one chief nursing officer not too long ago, she brought up an interesting point that one of the key focuses of their organization was to instill trust with the patient. They felt like patient volume certainly could return. And one of the reasons why it didn't return to some of the pre-COVID levels was that trust during the patient engagement process just wasn't instilled. They, they just didn't provide that level of confidence. And I would assume for perioperative services, certainly in the ambulatory, but also in the inpatient, as you're incorporating some of those screening activities around COVID and just engaging the patients on different levels is gonna go a long way towards building that trust. It is, and that's why you wanna communicate with that patient and you want to reinforce the fact that we're doing everything possible to make sure they're in a safe environment. Every patient's been tested for COVID within 72 hours of coming into the facility. All of our staff are tested on a weekly basis. We wanna instill that confidence. But I think the other aspect to sort of shift a little bit is the majority of surgeons in this country are now employed. And they're employed increasingly by their hospitals or health systems. So it's not only making sure that the surgeon and physician is engaged, but that we've got the right incentives to drive their performance. We want that surgeon to be compensated on their productivity and typically not RVUs. We want that surgeon to be compensated on net collections or charges that have been recognized. The problem in many environments is that the surgeon is compensated on RVUs and they generate surgery to generate RVUs, but that patient is not always pre-authorized so that what you have is you have volume, but it doesn't translate into revenue. So you've got to align all of the incentives. So if a surgeon is putting a case on and doing that, there's a lot of confidence that that surgical case is going to be paid for by a third party payer, whether they're a government payer 
or commercial insurance. Well, and I think it, what it does too, is it really engages the physician in a different level. It engages them as an important component to make sure that all the business activities in support of the, the collections, the sort of the business aspect of the surgery are in fact in place and we're getting appropriately compensated um, based on the, the, the surgical services that are performed. But I think what it also does is as we're creating areas of efficiencies within the surgical setting, whether it's efficiencies around block scheduling or your on-time performance or whatever the case may be, it engages the physician in that process. And I think a lot of times, often what I see is that physicians are a little bit removed. And if the compensation isn't necessarily aligned with the right level of behavior, you're never going to achieve the, the financial and operational performance targets that you want to achieve. I think it's going to be a big challenge. And I couldn't agree more. And um, patient physicians want to be engaged. And what that means is you've got to have a governance body for your perioperative services that's dominated by surgeons, not just surgeons that are in leadership positions, but also younger surgeons that are extremely productive and want a voice in how care is delivered and organized. We also want to make sure we're using information. So we're providing surgeons with feedback on how they're using their block time, how their case time compares to their peers' case time. And we're using then predictive analytics to analyze where we need to have capacity and how we bring the resources to bear to manage that surgical capacity at critical times. So it's engaging the surgeons in decision-making, but it's also providing them with information so they can see how they're performing. That, that's the key to, to making a surgery program run successfully, both that patient and surgeon engagement. Yeah, and I'll tell you, with many of the organizations that I've worked with across the country, many of them struggle with the data and providing the right level of information to the physicians one, in a way that the physicians could understand, but, but second, in a way that they can help them become successful as they perform that service. And I would think in a lot of the work that you do in, in helping organizations really improve their perioperative services, maximize their financial performance, that type of analytics has to be key to driving those, a, lot of that, a lot of those results. It, it, it is key, and it's A, understanding how they use their block time and if they're on time. But the other analytics that's extremely important is comparing a surgeon's case time at the same facility to other surgeons' case time at similar facilities. How long does it take one surgeon to do an uncomplicated cholecystectomy compared to another. And most of our systems now in healthcare, you can track by surgeon 
patient in, anesthesia start, anesthesia ready, cut, close, patient out. And by looking at those six timestamps and comparing not only surgeons, but anesthesia providers to one another, you're able to reduce case time. And in a number of facilities, like possible for joint surgery in New York, by just tracking case time for orthopedics, they were able to do one more joint per block per day, which dramatically increased the organization's revenue and dramatically increased the surgeon's revenue. So it's not just providing information, but it's using information to help us meet the needs of that surgeon and patient so that we can appropriately allocate our resources. And that's what's gonna distinguish best performing organizations from others going forward. Can we provide that level of transparency? So we're helping providers understand how they can improve their efficiency in addition to the surgery program increasing its efficiency. Well, and I'll tell you, as you're talking about that and especially incorporating a lot of those key performance indicators, that's what's gonna help a lot of these organizations proactively manage and anticipate a lot of the surgical activities. And especially when it comes down to maximizing your net margins and the overall financial performance of surgery, You have to begin to track this information and provide this information to physicians so in a way that they can can understand it. You know, as you're talking, one question sort of came to mind. What are you seeing from organizations as they start to create some levels of efficiencies on the cost side? You know, we talked about efficiencies, I would think, you know, that's driving a lot of volume or certainly more revenue. But how is it impacting the cost side? What are you seeing as you're starting to work with organizations as to some of their outputs? So I think what we're seeing in terms of information is, first of all, it's labor cost. How long does it take one surgeon to do a total hip replacement compared to another? That's the labor side of it. The second side of it is the supply cost. It's looking at the supplies that are used by one surgeon and how they're compared to another. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that the surgery is done efficiently, not necessarily so fast that we're not getting good outcomes, but at the reasonable level. And then if one surgeon is using cement that also has antibiotics in the cement, that's a lot more money. And the research has showed it has no impact on post-operative infection rates. So it's comparing those costs and then having a respected physician sit down with that surgeon whose cost is higher than another's cost and say, you know, your cost is 25% higher than others. Let's look at what supplies you're using and how does it compare. So the theme of your series is value-based care. I think what we want to look at are clinical outcomes, both patient engagement 
satisfaction and clinical outcomes. And look how that compares over that cost because as an organization, if you can prove to third party payers that you're getting better outcomes, better patient engagement with the same or lower cost, you're providing more value to that payer. And by doing that, you can also get higher reimbursement from many of the payers. So all of this ties together in not only driving revenue, but also driving compensation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's such a great point that you made as far as really thinking about that level of outcomes and tying that to the overall cost of care. Because you're right, that's what the payers are looking at. And that's what we're seeing as um, payers are starting to create new contracts, new value-based agreements with, with some of these healthcare providers is being able to manage some of that output while managing costs. And then lastly, I couldn't agree with you more. You have to engage the physicians. It has to be tied into their compensation. And I think if you can do that, then all of a sudden, all the incentives are aligned. Yeah, that's the key. Looking at what your objective function is, how do we have the best outcomes at the lowest cost? And how are we organized from a governance standpoint and an incentive standpoint to drive it? So I think the role of our healthcare leaders that are on this call is to understand that we're trying to drive that value in equation. That requires physician engagement. It requires staff engagement. It requires patient engagement. And it requires information and the right incentives. And if you can put all of those into place, you've got a surgical program that's going to continually grow its volume and market share. Well, Jeff, this has been great. I think you've really touched on some key areas that are critically important to organizations. You know, as we talked about when we opened up the show, organizations, hospitals in particular, are, are still struggling with trying to financially get back on track and really recover from, from some of the downturn they saw with a lot of the COVID activities. Some of the areas that you pointed out, particularly around the shifts in service from inpatient to outpatient, maximizing the revenues, the efficiencies and a lot of the output that you had talked about there, and then tying it to compensation, I think is spot on in terms of where organizations really need to go to maximize the potential from their perioperative services. Any closing comments or some key takeaways you might offer some of our audience before we wrap up today? No, I think in summary, what some of the key trends that healthcare leaders need to understand is what are we doing to drive our ambulatory surgery strategy? What do we have in place that's going to allow us to capture that market? What have we done to involve physicians in planning our ambulatory surgery strategy, not only the procedures we're doing on an ambulatory basis now, but what procedures can we position or transition from an inpatient ambulatory surgical setting? How do we align our employed physicians' incentives 
So they're driving performance. How do we engage physicians in driving our facilities? And how are we using information to give physicians and staff feedback on how we're performing and where there's opportunities for improvement? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, I really want to thank you for your time today. Um, I really enjoyed and, and appreciated the conversation as I'm sure many of our listeners are as well. Would love to invite you to come back sometime, talk to us further about some of the activities you're seeing, maybe around even growth in the ambulatory surgery center arena. I think that could be an interesting topic. Love to have you back sometime if you're interested. Well, thanks. I, I'd welcome that and just want to thank you again for including us in this really worthwhile podcast. Great. Well, thank you. Shelly, Jeff brought up some great points today and um, certainly around how surgical services can support a lot of the financial recovery activities. And, you know, as Jeff was talking about this, you know, it sort of dawned on me that if hospitals are really going to focus on improving their net margins, they absolutely have to put in place some of these things that Jeff spoke of. Surgical services are such a large part of the overall revenue of hospitals, contribution to their net margin. Without these activities, I don't see how hospitals can do it. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed the insights Jeff brought forth, especially in terms of leveraging analytics not only to support the strategic decisions, such as what surgery should be performed, which procedure should be moved from inpatient to outpatient. I really valued the insights he had on leveraging data, the key performance indicators to more closely monitor the outcomes and to manage the costs, thereby making a positive impact on the bottom line. I think those are also going to be some critical elements for hospitals to incorporate into their operational strategies. Yeah, the data, I think, is really key. That was one of the things that I agree with you. We talk about data and key performance indicators all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, incorporating that into the surgical setting gives leaders the opportunity to really be proactive and engage the providers. I think that's absolutely going to be key. Wonderful. Well, we want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners in the journey to value-based care. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And don't forget to leave us feedback. You can also find additional blogs, thought leadership on this topic from our podcast episode on our website, LuminaHP.com. Join us again next time. Wherein we invite several of our colleagues and industry thought leaders in continuing our deep dive and talking about new trends that are emerging as organizations navigate the new normal. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.